0: This is On The Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports. All things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're On The Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah
1: Gardner and Jeremy Law on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Kicks 96.3 and AU100. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on your Saturday morning at 10 a.m. However, you may be joining us once again if you're joining us on the air or if you're on demand with us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. That's it right again. We are on Apple Podcasts. Second week in a row, I can say that. Hey, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, hit that review button, drop us five stars, leave a review, tell us how great we are. We want to hear from you.
2: Yeah, what are we giving away for a good review? You know, uh, Clay Travis is giving out um, like DBAP shirts or something like that, Outkick books. Joe Rogan gives out stuff. What are we giving out, Noah?
1: Radio silence. <laughs>
2: The show is so good, you should just leave a review Exactly, no
1: what. that's right, because you like us. We passed Ben Shapiro last week, so now we're, we're <laughs> pushing Joe Rogan. Pushing Joe Rogan. Let's talk about Big Ten football. Big Ten this past week announced that it's coming back. Obviously, this is on the heels of a PR, PR nightmare. This is on the heels of the fact that everybody – yelling at them, bickering, complaining about their original decision and the way in which that they completed said decision. Is the Big Ten off the hook for bringing football back to the Great Lakes?
2: I think I told you earlier in the day that I thought, you know, it's okay. They're playing football. Everything should be fine. But there just still feels like this supreme level of mistrust between the administrators, which is your ADs, presidents, and your Big Ten commissioner, and Kevin Warren, who, in the second full year going in now as the um, the Big Big Ten commissioner, he looks like a buffoon right now because listen, you got there are forty days since they released a schedule, thirty five days since they canceled the season. 30 days since they told everybody it would not be revisited. We're not playing football. The earliest that we will play is in the spring. And now we have a Big Ten start date of October 24 or what? whenever that week is. Is anybody going to be, do you have the Corona Bro journalists who have patted them on the back for delaying, canceling, whatever you want to call what they did, now patting them on the back about, they did so good job delaying to make a decision. They didn't delay to make a decision. They made a rash decision based off a fake my, was it myocarditis paper that turns out that the stats that were in it are not even real. They made a rash decision and canceled the season. They didn't delay a decision like the SEC did for a little while. This is a just complete buffoonery. These guys are now going to play an eight plus one all in. They're going to play all division games plus a one non-division game against the other side of the big the Big Ten, and they're hopefully going to get their way into the college football playoff. But now you're talking about if five guys on your hundred man roster have the team, you can't play because they have a five percent player infection uh, maximum. So if five out of one hundred have it. Your team's going to cancel the game. I'm not sure the Big Ten's really even still going to play. <laughs> i'm serious i yeah. mean you got ed o who was smarter than the rest of us he made sure everybody got it in in june and july a couple of M players have already had it it kind of went through the team auburn two thumbs up Gussie. your guys got the coronavirus and now you're gonna smooth sail through the rest of the year you're not canceling any games
1: we're not gonna let no microbial defeat the great team from the great state of louisiana and baton rouge go tigers
2: that's it. Oh for you. And he's probably right. He they The Big 10, Noah, I got to just say, I have to ask you, are they off the hook? Because to me, I have more questions than ever about why you made the rash decision to cancel because you thought that you were the leader in college football and the the only conference that followed you is the biggest joke in power five football in the Pac-10. Pac-12. Uh, yeah, excuse me, the Pac-12. Sorry, I'm still on. I'm still, I'm, I'm they lose they guy. lose
1: two teams because they're not that good. I
2: mean, <laughs> but that's the only conference that yeah. falls. In.
1: Big Ten's not off the hook. I had prepared all week long death penalty for Big Ten schools, and now I can't say that because they're going to be playing football, and that's going to work to their benefit. If they hadn't played football, colossal miscalculation. Big Ten teams or all of them except for Ohio State are going to take a massive hit in recruiting I won't even go down that road, though, because that's not the issue anymore. They're playing ball. But I'm not letting the Big Ten off the hook for this terrible, terrible management of a situation. First of all, all I've heard throughout all this is that these are unprecedented times. That's not true. These are not unprecedented times. There have been pandemics Plagues, disease outbreaks. I mean, have you heard of swine flu, SARS, and the bubonic plague? I mean, this has been happening since... We played in Ebola. People were like, "Ebola
2: is a million times more deadly than what we're in right now. No, I'm not... I think about 2014, 15. I was in college. You but were it didn't,
1: starting. like, catch wildfire like this, though. Yeah, listen, it's spreading.
2: But H1N1 had over a billion infections. Yeah. I mean... Okay, not over a,
1: did it really have yeah, over, a, over billion. a billion people wow. infected with H1N1? At first, at first when you said that, I thought that that was hyperbole, and now I'm like, mm, wow. That's the truth. But it, it's not unprecedented times. So if you're one of those people out there saying, these are unprecedented times, no, don't say that. That's a cliche. That's wrong. What is unprecedented is how our society has responded to it. I mean, college football right now, what's happening in collegiate athletics is unprecedented. The fact that there are no fans at ball games and that we're playing shortened schedules and that things are things are being treated the way that they are in college football, that's unprecedented that we've pushed back the season. We haven't seen this before. That's correct. But if this if these are truly unprecedented times, unprecedented problems require unprecedented solutions. And the Big Ten didn't even feel like It made an effort and didn't. I mean, look at the timetable. Waited till the last minute, just like everybody else did. So I'm not going to fault them for waiting a very long time throughout the summer, just like the ACC, Big 12, SEC, Pac 12 did. They waited till the 11th hour, and that was by design. Everybody didn't have enough information to make a decision, and they wanted to wait till the very last possible moment to gather all up to date information that they had to make the most correct decision possible. But the Big Ten gets to that point, and they took a different direction than the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC did. They took the direction of going behind closed doors, they weren't transparent, and they cowered because of the fear of liability and PR backlash in the court of public opinion nationally. It was cowardice. And they made that decision. They tried to cover it up behind closed doors. No transparency. We don't even know if there was a vote. We don't know. And all I know is players, parents, coaches, everyone that is involved in football happening and could be affected by the loss of football in the Big Ten, they felt wronged by it and they were upset. And I think they had every right to to be so. And now the Big Ten has flip-flopped. Right Now the Big Ten has allowed the court of public opinion again to drive its decision-making. And granted, it is leading them back to the right decision, but it makes the Big Ten look weak to me. Why can't you just be a strong leadership figure from the get-go? And it leads to a greater problem in our society that I feel like, and I'm not going to get into politics or anything, but I feel like too often organizations and people in leadership positions make the decision to cover their own behind rather than making the decision that they actually believe is the right one based on the decisions in front of them. Too many times we see people not make a decision. That's not leadership. No decision is the wrong decision. I have a major problem with everything, how the Big 12's handled it, or not the Big 12, Big 10, how they've handled this. If it's March
2: and college football is going on last March when this all started and you cancel it I think everybody was kind of on board with all right we need to cancel high school sports we don't know what this thing is we didn't know what it was for three months after March but now we're at about the seven seven month mark really since it's truly been a big deal in the United States you kind of know what you're getting into and do it, it ha, we haven't been we haven't had coronavirus long enough to know of all the long-term health risks. But for so many people, no, you're not going to the hospital. You're not really sick. You're not going to have a lifelong disorder from this. And we all know people who have been affected by this. But about everybody that's 45 and under has been pretty solid. There are no hospitalizations among students on campus. And, like, I don't think in America. The latest study I saw was no College students have been hospitalized. They haven't. They go to the hospital. They get tested. They go home. You're, you'll be fine. The thing that kills me with the Big Ten is, is that I don't think that the public opinion pushed them back to playing. I think it was the root cause of why they canceled and them not wanting to figure out what that root cause was pushed them back to go ahead and letting them play. Let's get a realize you have, you have government, employee, government employees that met, voted or not voted, would not release a transcript. They had no transparency, wouldn't tell anybody. And then not only that, they wouldn't even tell the student athletes, the athletics programs inside of the Big Ten Conference. You know, why? Just tell us why. Like uh, I think James Franklin said it best. We're, we're not – we hate that college football is canceled. But somebody at least just owes us an explanation. Because you've had us on campus – Since the beginning of June, working out, throwing, weight room, running bleachers, getting ready to play college football, we're here for three and a half months. We focused on a study that has already been debunked around a lot of heart conditions and especially around athletes. It's been debunked, why are we still canceled? Or why did we cancel in the first place? And nobody got any transparency. And it took a team who's only been in the Big Ten for about eight years to stand up and say, this is complete garbage. If it's not for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the Big Ten isn't playing. And they're an old Southwest Conference, Big 12 Conference team. It took leadership from the Nebraska Cornhuskers to to really put their foot down and say, we want to play, and we want to know why we're not going to play. And then after that, Justin Fields and the We Want to Play movement took on I think Ohio State had a lot to do with it. Michigan well, listen, as well, that, Penn State. That, well, it was Nebraska and Iowa because they're the only two that voted to play football at the beginning. When it's like fourteen to fourteen to two against or whatever, how many teams are in twelve the to two? I guess it was 12, fourteen, 14 teams. So yeah. it, was, it was two to twelve in favor or two to twelve against playing. So it was kind of a mess from the start, and you never knew anything. And now Kevin Warren gets a phone call from the president a couple weeks ago. The president says, "Hey, what do you need?" Kevin Warren tells him what he needs. The president gets it to him. And now they don't have any excuse not to play. And they're going to be playing. And I think a lot everybody's excited. But Kevin Warren's a buffoon. I think he did a horrible job. He had his hands tied because he's not really the boss. He's supposed to be the leader. He is the CEO amongst a board of directors, which are the presidents of all the Big Ten schools. He has to do what he's told. We understand. But at some point he had to put his foot down and say, we should be playing college football. His son's playing college football.
1: His son's getting ready to play next week. Against the LSU Tigers. Said he plays for Mississippi State, right? I've heard you say that several times. But I just want someone to make a decision and stand by it. Because now that first decision, albeit I thought it was the wrong one from the get-go. And granted, yes, they are headed back towards playing ball, which is exciting. I'm glad to have the Big Ten back in football because Big Ten is one of the best conferences in all of college football. There's a lot of pageantry in it. It's not better than the SEC, but it's definitely better than all of the other ones. Second best conference in football. And when you talk about pageantry, it's the only one in college football that actually that actually can rival the SEC in tradition and pageantry. It's the, it's the only other one. No other conference has the same level of tradition that the SEC does other than the Big Ten. And so I'm happy to have it back, but I'm disappointed in how we got here. And... I would just like to see for once somebody make a decision, albeit even if it's unpopular. I would love to see someone make a decision and stand by it. To to have a legitimate strong reason and it actually be based on their own personal convictions that they believe that this is the right choice. Because if you're doing that then you're at least trying to do right by somebody. And it just never it never felt like that from the it never felt like that from the get-go. It never did.
2: Have you ever felt like you we, you were in charge and you quickly no you just got married you're the man in the house quote unquote you quickly <laughs> learn that you're not in charge and the Big Ten walked through the doors forty days ago said we're canceling the weakest person in the room other than them the big the uh, Pac-12 followed them and Greg Sankey being the leader that he is says we are not going to base our decision just because on Who's a I mean, rallying force. I mean, we're not going to base our decision on what Kevin Warren and the Big Ten are doing. That's right. He we, said, we're going to do what we want to do. And you, and you saw it. So Kevin Warren had to backtrack yesterday, or a couple days ago, excuse me, saying that the Big Ten, we we're a real leader in college football because we care about the health of our student athletes. They're still on campus. They're still working out. Some of them have still been practicing. What are you – What? what I don't understand. Yeah. I really don't understand. Well, how is there more risk of catching coronavirus if you're all crowded in a locker room, working out, going to class, and then just getting on a bus and playing Michigan for three and a half hours? I don't see any
1: difference. Question two: Should the Big Ten be allowed into the college football playoff? Because that's what's next. Big Ten can play football. Yeah, I think they should.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, they're going to play non-conference games. In the committee, it's all it's all objective. Anyways, Ryan. I mean subjective, sorry. Is it objective or subjective?
1: We're sure it's a nine game schedule and not eight.
2: I think it's eight plus one. They're gonna play one team from okay. the other side.
1: But it but is a but you only have six divisional games. Because there's seven in each division.
2: Hey, look, it just says I'm gonna look it up. Look it up. Regardless, they're gonna play a full Big Ten schedule. The same they're doing the same thing that the SEC's we're playing ten games. What's the difference? It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be what the college football playoff committee sets in its parameters this year because I think we both agree that the college football playoff is going to have to put out some new guidelines, criteria, and what it takes to make the college football playoff. Other than Ohio State played five games, the other five got canceled. They won all five, and now they're in the college football
1: playoff. There's a consolation weekend. The Championship week and ninth game is played on December 19th, the weekend of December 19th. So there is a championship game with the two best teams playing, but everybody else plays each other as well that week. So really, we're only playing an eight-game schedule. I mean, yes, yeah, a nine-game schedule for the champion. But yeah, okay. but the, and the champion is who we're talking about trying to make the college football playoff, but I guess that is more comparable. But would you let them in? I think you – listen, if Ohio, State, if, Ohio, if, Ohio,
2: if Ohio State goes through its schedule undefeated, wins the Big Ten championship, based on what they've done last year, based on how good their team is, I think you keep it as normal as possible when you put them in. Like what – if they were playing any less than – Should you get a better grade on your test because you start – or on your paper because you started earlier than the guy?
1: Yeah, but they're not doing late? the same amount of work, though. I, sometimes the paper's better, baby. But they're not doing the same amount of... They so, didn't turn in the same quality... Not, not necessarily the same quality word, but I, they didn't turn in as much. It's a, it's a definitely a truncated version. But here's the thing. We don't know... There's no criteria on how long your paper
2: needs to be, Noah. SEC it's, champion... How good is
1: your paper? SEC champion will have at least played 11 games. The Big Ten champion will have played 9. I, and granted, I, in a shorter time period, yes, so there I is do. more stress there for the Big Ten team but i think that extra game when you're looking at the sec that's not a, that's not a level playing field here i haven't made my official decision about whether or not i think they should be in i'm just pointing out the facts here the sec the acc will have played 12 games the big 12 will have played 11 yep. so everybody else will have played almost already a full length season whereas the big 10s over here are like yeah we get a we get an extra month to get prepared and be say. ready and we
2: if and Ohio, we have to play a couple less games. If Ohio State or anybody else in the Big Ten goes nine and zero, who else are you going to put in? I would consider a one loss SEC team that lost in the SEC championship. So you, so you want a rematch in the very next week, the very next game? Isn't that while we're playing the SEC title game? I could almost understand like a uh, a rematch from the regular season. Like Alabama beats Georgia. Georgia somehow doesn't get to Atlanta and then they can find their way back in because they played really well towards the end of the year. Something like that. But going Alabama, Florida, then Alabama, Florida, again to me is eh. That's like even
1: if Florida could beat Alabama in game two.
2: Not, but I'm just saying it's it's that time like we've never seen that one. The the conference championship game. Alabama and Florida. And you turn around, and they're just both in the playoff. Right. I've never seen it. This is why we need a 16 playoff. I I think they should cancel conference title games. That's been my stand for a while. If you're going to have – you're just going to throw the best teams in there, play the regular season, be kind of NCAA tournament style who's ever playing great, have quadrants, figure out where they are, rankings, whatever, and you just put them in. Just let them run wild at the end of the year. Instead of these de facto college football playoff games that aren't college football playoff games. Now, that'll never happen because the SEC is rolling in money from that game, that first week in December game in Atlanta.
1: Here's what we know. Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, at least right now. We believe that. Ryan, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. They'll be in the playoff. The next two biggest fan bases in the Big Ten are probably Penn State and Michigan. Definitely Penn State and Michigan. Penn maybe State, Michigan State. Penn but, State
2: has a chance.
1: But legit contenders here in the Big Ten that like you could envision a world where maybe they make the playoff or those three teams. That's big money, man. And the college football playoff will want big money inside their... Co- so I think Big Ten's getting it. I do. I think Big Ten's going to get in. So if you're, It's different than if I think they should be in or not. And I think you've turned me to. I think they should be. But... Big 10 and the college football playoff, you get Ohio State in. there. There's a lot of money there to go alongside of it, and I think they'd like to see Ohio State play in the college football playoff, and so would shock me if they do get in. Then again, this is being recorded on a Thursday, so by the time that this show airs on Saturday, it's very possible that they've already announced that, so – hey maybe all this it, what that we're talking about we could be proving right or wrong by the time that this rolls around coming up on the next side of this break you got speed round presented by lance brown all state auburn expectations what should the expectation be for auburn in 2020 and we wrap up the show with game picks jeremy edged me last week i'm gonna get them this week
0: You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law.
1: Back on On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Kicks 96.3 and AU100. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you. Or if you're listening to us on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's time for Speed Round, presented by Lance Brown Allstate. Only Allstate has claim service so good it's guaranteed. To learn more about the auto claim satisfaction guarantee, call 334-758-0088 today. Are you in good hands? Jeremy, same rules as always. But this week, we got a nice handful of questions. I got seven questions here, so we do need to go a little bit faster. But seven questions, a couple of minutes each. Try and run through this as quick as possible. You ready? I'm ready. Question number one. And these first two questions that we got are, are more about what I've been seeing from the national level, about people talking about legacies, and should we be hitting the panic button on some of the sport's most elite athletes? Is it time to push the panic button with Tom Brady after losing to the New Orleans Saints in week one? And granted, I think I saw a stat out there recently that said. The three, like, season-opening losses, or, or maybe maybe it's been more than that, but it, after Tom Brady has lost a season opener, he's been to the Super Bowl three times.
2: No, you don't push the panic button on the greatest of all time. Now, if he comes out in the next couple weeks and he lays a couple more eggs with that uh, group of receivers and tight ends that he has, Gronk, OJ. What about running backs? Evans, I mean, he's got the running backs. Then you hit the panic button, it was Tom Brady, in a brand new system, new coach, new receivers. This one of the best teams in the NFL. And just it, his coach called him out, and I don't really think his coach was calling about. I think his coach was just being who his coach is. And Bruce calls you out and just saying what's on his mind. Tom Brady will get there, and he's playing in the dome now. It should look better in the dome because everybody plays better in the dome normally, at least quarterbacks. I think you'll get there. I really do. And I think this roster is built to make a deep postseason run. Tom Brady just can't turn the ball over.
1: Yeah, the picks are the unnerving part, but it's not the first time we've ever seen Tom Brady throw two interceptions, right? Like I've seen this before. It's not like he's Mr. Perfect. He's had bad games. This just so happened to be the first game at his new team that everybody hyped up. Oh yeah, by the way, it's against the second best or possibly best team in the division it kind of depends on how you view the, the the buccaneers and the saints but still the saints are one of the best teams in the nfc by far across the board it was on the road you cut him a little bit of slack i don't think it's time to hit the panic button as you put it on the greatest of all time which he is i think it's time to just let him gel with his new guys let him build the chemistry let him be comfortable in the new offense tom brady even talked about that he had forgotten what it was like to have to learn a new offense this is a uncharted territory for Tom Brady, so I don't think it's time to hit the panic button, but I definitely, I definitely think it adds urgency. You lose week one. Some of these teams that lose week one when their schedule's coming up, like next week's winnable game for the Buccaneers. I believe they're playing the Panthers. You lose that game. Yeah, it might be getting time to hit the panic button. I know it's only two in the hole, but you can't lose to two divisional rivals to open up the year. Browns are in a similar situation. Yeah, you got woofed by one of the best teams in the NFL with the Ravens, but now you're playing the Bengals, and you got a pretty easy schedule. You need to show that you can beat a bad team. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but I definitely believe the urgency has increased, and I think Tom Brady does great under a sense of pressure and urgency. He's shown that time and time again in his career. That's why he's still playing well into his 40s. Question number two, did Kawhi Leonard's legacy take a hit with a loss to the Nuggets? Saw this all over national media, too, and I couldn't disagree with it more.
2: What is Kawhi Leonard's legacy? Like, he's not the best player playing. He has never been the best player playing. At any point. What is his legacy? He's won multiple titles. He's won one in each conference. He's a finals MVP. I think this question but nationally. Andre is- Iguadala is a finals MVP. He's not Steph Curry. He's not, listen, he's not as highlight reel as Steph Curry. He's a great defender and a great player. But what is Kawhi Leonard's legacy? To me, he needed he needed to make the Western Conference Finals. You don't give up a 3-1 lead in the division in the divisional round or whatever that was in the second round. Like you
1: just can't do that. So here's the thing about Kawhi, athletic freak, right? But he's not like a scoring freak. So the way I'm going with this is he's been the third best player in the NBA. His entire time he's been in the NBA. At least at least since he's reached that level. When he wasn't he hasn't always been the third best player and he hasn't always been elite. But in his time in the NBA, he has never been better. Than the third best player in the NBA. I, I don't know.
2: I would say that he's never been. You could say what you want about LeBron, but he makes the finals. He is. Listen, LeBron's best basketball player in the league. Still. Yeah, and so Kevin Durant's number two, and Kawhi's number three. I think I would. You could at least though make the argument over a couple years there that Kawhi was better than Kevin Durant. I don't know
1: about that, man.
2: Like what? Like, Kevin Durant doesn't play defense. I mean, you got to give something on the defensive end of the form. Defense does not really win championships in the NBA anymore.
1: Kawhi might be the better all-around two-way player, but I think Kevin Durant, I would want Kevin Durant more than Kawhi Leonard on my basketball he team. He just
2: won a finals with last year. He did year, with nobody. I mean, yeah. He just won one last year. Yeah. And he, then the first, he's won three three now?
1: He's won two. Two. He's got as many championships as LeBron James did when LeBron was 29. That's how old Kawhi is. He's 29. So, everybody hating on Kawhi doesn't make sense to me. I think I'd find a guy who's a little but bit older a, to hate on. He's
2: been to how many fun Four finals? Didn't he? Let's see. Been, he would have been he to. He lost one, won one, lost one, right? Didn't they play like the Spurs three years in a row? He's been to three finals. He's just won two of them. So, he's two for three in the finals, and he gets bounced in the division. round. He went to the Raptors. He left the Spurs. Goes to the Raptors. Everybody's scratching their head, right? What's this guy doing? He down? He wins the finals now. Steph and all these guys were banged up. and No, Steph was okay, but like Clay and yeah, Steph was
1: banged up a little bit last yeah,
2: year. Yeah, I mean, he wins it. And he goes to L.A. He could have won a finals with the with the Lakers this year. But he chose the Clippers. And he chose Paul George, who is Houdini. He just disappears. I don't know if it's all on Kawhi, but Kawhi, you can't. If he loses to the Lakers in the next round, his legacy does not take a hit. I just don't know what his legacy is. He's one. I mean, Robert Orr has got six
1: rings. Here's how I view Kawhi yeah, he's Leonard. Michael He's elite. He's an elite basketball player that's won some titles. And right now, the national media is picking on him. Granted, this is his fault. And I would say that Kawhi is to blame in LAC. But... The guy has as many championships as LeBron did when he was 29. But dude, come on, LeBron was in the like LeBron ain't getting bounced by the Denver
2: Nuggets in in the second round. Correct, of the play. he wasn't. I mean, he's not. He's and a- I'm
1: not saying that Kawhi's legacy is as good as LeBron's. I'm just saying how many
2: finals in a row did LeBron go to? Nine, nine straight went,
1: years. I don't know if he went to nine. Eight straight. eight straight years in the finals. Wow, right? Yeah, I guess that's about right. Once again, this is not me disparaging LeBron James, best basketball player in the NBA right now. Got I'm three. saying people are hating on Kawhi Leonard right now. I think I would find an older player to hate on because Kawhi has still a lot of tread on his tires. He's got in a, six at some point,
2: years left. Like six great years of basketball. Left.
1: And at some point, Kawhi will surpass LeBron James as on the level of best basketball LeBron's gonna get old at one point LeBron's gonna get too old LeBron's 35 now oh no
2: like yeah there will be a day where
1: Kawhi's, Kawhi's the best better. is a better basketball player
2: it's almost like Kobe Kobe's on the tail end of Jordan right in there and then like Kobe was electric for a while and then for when oh two when LeBron came in the league it was instantly LeBron James was probably the best i give him a year or two but LeBron James was the best player in the league after that and Kobe was phenomenal Kobe's the, a lot of people say, the greatest Laker of all time. And that's, a, that's saying a lot. But LeBron James has been the best player in the league for years. For a very long years. time.
1: And once again, this isn't me saying LeBron versus Kawhi. This is just me saying to the world, hey, pump the brakes on Kawhi right now and writing him off because he's 29 and he's going to win more championships. And it would not shock me if Kawhi Leonard won more NBA titles than LeBron James. It would not shock me. And then we talk about legacy. LeBron is no longer in the GOAT conversation if Kawhi Leonard wins more titles than LeBron. You're here now go. we're getting to disparaging. But question number three, who impressed you the most in week one of the NFL season?
2: Not my fantasy team. Put up, one, <laughs> I put up 130 in a loss last week, <laughs> that could which, be the, which, is, which is horrible. Answer to the next question. But the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, they go across the country. Listen to this. They go across the country in a, with a fired-up Atlanta team Who has to win? They know they're like they've got new jerseys. They got, they got, but they know they have to win, right? We We need to win this game. Not only that, we have to be competitive in this game. And Russell Wilson goes thirty-one of thirty-five, and he just tears you up. He's playing at nine a.m. Pacific time, and he carves you up on the other side of the. You could not get any further away. From Seattle to Atlanta across this country, can you? Unless you're going to Florida. I mean, oh my goodness. And Russell Westbrook does what uh sorry, Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things.
1: Does Russell Westbrook things if we're talking about it on the football field? I that's mean, impressive.
2: He does Russell Wilson things, and that was probably my most impressive overall team performance in week number one. I also thought the Rams looked very good. They're playing on they're play they're still playing an elite Everywhere but quarterback, Dallas Cowboys team, and they get a win in Sunday. Was it Sunday night football that they got that win? Yeah, Sunday night, the Sunday night NBC game. I was impressed with the Rams too. I think the Rams can go further than a lot of people were saying they'd go.
1: Team that impressed me the most is the Baltimore Ravens. I can't talk bad about Lamar Jackson anymore. And I know he picked apart the Browns defense, but. You told me that he was the Browns were set, ready to stop it. I th- I really thought they were going to put <laughs> up a better effort than that. That was bad. Lamar Jackson, what what impressed me the most about Lamar was his pocket passing. I really think that was some of the best passing that I've seen. Like it was pocket passing. Yeah. It was it was if you watch that game, he played in the pocket. He really didn't beat the Browns that bad with his legs. It was he he picked them apart.
2: I don't really think it's just that though. It's the threat of the legs to where you a defender is wasted on Lamar Jackson every play to make sure he doesn't run away, which is an extra space to throw a ball to receiver. Lamar Jackson threw the ball well at Louisville. He really did. He won the Heisman Trophy. Now is he a regular season quarterback? We'll see. Peyton Manning didn't win a playoff game until year three in Indianapolis. We'll see what Lamar Jackson can do because he's whiffing in the playoffs right now. But he is, to me, he and Pat Mahomes are the most fun people to watch,
1: along with Russell
2: Wilson in the NFL at the quarterback position.
1: Stat line for Lamar, 20 for 25 for 275 yards and three touchdowns. Granted, Cleveland secondary had problems, but he was making plays, tight windows. He was making those throws that you talk about but there's only a couple inches you can't fit it in there, and he was making those throws, and he was doing it from the pocket. Next question, then, staying in the NFL, who disappointed you the most in week one of the NFL season? Is
2: that the Buccaneers?
1: (laughs) Dallas Cowboys. Hmm.
2: Dak Prescott. Maybe it should just be Dak in this. No, no, it's not, because you – Dallas got called up in Dak wants money, we're going to pay him money, but we're not going to pay him Pat Mahomes' money. And you saw why Sunday night, Dak Prescott is not Pat Mahomes. He is not Lamar Jackson. He is not Aaron Rodgers. He is not Deshaun. And maybe he's not. Listen, Deshaun Watson is not even a great NFL quarterback right now. He's not Deshaun. You put Deshaun Watson on these Cowboys, they're winning. They could win a Super Bowl. My Dallas Cowboys, Noah, they're not going to win a playoff game with this guy, quarterback. You get caught up in this whole. There's a race issue here that you've heard about with the Dak Prescott stuff over the last six months. But at the end of the day, he is just not a good NFL starting quarterback. He does not deserve to be paid like one. He's not a $30 million guy. He is not as good as Tom Brady right now. Yeah. He is not as good. At, I don't know about Philip
1: Rivers. I might get a little
2: out of hand right here. He's not as good as Jared Goff. He's not Carson Wentz. He's not any of these I guys. Know.
1: Carson Wentz didn't play great either.
2: Yeah, but I think – when have you seen any lick of true
1: potential
2: from Dak
1: Prescott? Like this
2: guy, he's gonna make the throw I'll cut but him. It, he's gonna make the throw.
1: I'll cut him a little bit slack. There's some statistics that show him out there to be pretty clutch. He's led some game-winning drives. Okay, I get it. But he, consistently, he's not. I, he's not a dog. How many you know?
2: of those game-winning drives wouldn't happen if Dak Prescott completes the traditional
1: third and four? If he doesn't, like the end of the game. I'm not going to lie, man. The fourth and two in the fourth quarter, I'm like, you're throwing behind the chains? Like, that's... You couldn't have... you could, I would have liked to have seen him try, a, like, throwing a little bit further down the field. At least try and make a tough throw, you know, but...
2: I'm just disappointed the guy's not. He is a... He is a 20... Mil, he is a middle of the pack, a little bit better than Baker Mayfield NFL quarterback. I'll take that. Would you put him in the
1: top 10? No. No. Okay, thank you. Mm-mm. Team I'm disappointed in. Philadelphia Eagles, when it especially, I'm disappointed in them out of owning any personal convictions or anything it's just philadelphia eagles lose 27 17 to the washington football team and hey what washington defense is pretty good eight sacks
2: so eagles offensive line pretty bad and that's that's the other thing about dak prescott noah he has had the best offensive line for the last five years in the nfl he ain't getting sacked eight times.
1: It's just how far have the Eagles fallen they since can't. the Super Bowl, and now they're now they're losing a divisional rival that honestly should be last in their division, possibly. And, and their worse guy than the guy that they Giants. paid a lot of
2: money to play quarterback wasn't even the guy that won you the Super Bowl. That's I don't right. even think Carson Wentz deserved the money he got. By the way, I just don't think that Dak Prescott is even Carson Wentz.
1: Twenty four for forty two, two seventy. Uh, that's more of a volume thing, how we got the yards. Two yeah, touchdowns, got two got picks. Yeah, two yeah.
2: touchdowns. When you're getting sacked eight times, you're going to throw two picks.
1: Here's the thing. It was Carson Wentz versus Dwayne Haskins, and you lost to Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team. How many times did Dwayne Haskins get sacked? None? That I don't know. I, but, mean, <laughs> I mean, you got beat by a guy who threw for 178, 17 for 31. Haskins didn't even have that good of a day. Let's move on to college football. Who impressed you the most in week one of the college football season? only a couple of good answers here who really i'm telling you this really wasn't that great of a week for anybody in college football last week billy
2: napier is he the best saving assistant that nobody's talking about he's just hanging out right now beating teams he shouldn't be building programs not not a quick jim McElwain colorado state good situation because their coach left to go somewhere else but billy napier is Really looking like a good college coach right now, and I think he could be the one that you talk about later on that wins a couple national titles. Uh, to me, he's going to land somewhere in the SEC next year. I hope he doesn't settle for an Arkansas or. Where's he uh, at right now? He's the Lafayette. He, okay. He, you didn't a game that was on our that wasn't on our list last <laughs> week because you wouldn't let me pick it because you told I me I was it crazy.
1: I didn't tell you you're crazy. I thought i could be close. He beats so. Iowa
2: State. I think that he is a coach that if he doesn't settle for an average SEC job just to get into the SEC to make some quick money, that could be one of those Dabo Swinney type names where where did this guy come from? And you look at the pedigree and you realize he's coached with some of the best over the years.
1: Of course, Clemson cruised to the win over Wake Forest. I'm going to go in a different direction. Texas really had the best week out of anybody that was playing a bad team. 59 to 3 over utep of course oklahoma beat missouri state 48 to 0 but look last week's schedule was lousy and you're and i'm having to for this question having to choose who i was impressed with the most and no no good team played any played another good team so i'm gonna choose all right i'm gonna choose the team that looked the best against a bad team and texas looked good there was no yeah there was no issues there there was it, they were fired on all cylinders you do you don't score 59 points in your season opener typically. I don't care how bad the other team is. Ellinger had 426 and 5 touchdowns. I think he set a record in the first half. He had a career-high five touchdown passes in the first half. I mean, that. I listen, Ellinger,
2: there's never been a knock that he can't go out there and throw the ball around, right? Sling it. But he's he just doesn't have the let's go beat the good team in it, right? It and, might be there this year. And They got a good team. Tom Herman's recruited well. Tom Herman's also got to get something done this year. Yeah, he's on the hot seat. Who disappointed you the most in week one of the college football season? Notre Dame. If you watch that game in the second half, they're sitting there pretty daggum close Edge to the your Duke Blue Devils. and Yeah, they, they end up getting the win. I think it was by a couple scores at the end of the day. But so at some point in that game while I was watching it, it was, felt like Duke had the ball and they turned it over Notre Dame went down and scored. But this was a close game, and I'm looking at Notre Dame saying – they, I can't beat North Carolina, and they can't beat Clemson. They're in the ACC, a top. What are the? What are the number? They were number. Yeah, they're number seven. They're a top ten team. Probably not going to finish in the top three. You're probably going to finish third in the ACC this year. That's who I was disappointed in the most because Notre Dame moves to the maybe the easiest conference in college football other than the Pac-12, who's not playing, and you probably should have a chance better to. Better than Big it. Twelve. The ACC from top to bottom,
1: I, I think the, those three conferences are a cesspool. Let's just be real. I There's not a whole lot separating. I would you know. take
2: I would take the Big Twelve top to bottom over what the ACC has one through fourteen. But anyways, I was I was not impressed with Notre Dame.
1: I got a two parter here. I'll start off. Both of them basketball schools. I was disappointed with Kansas losing to Coastal Carolina. Granted, Coastal Carolina is a good Group of Five team. Put an asterisk there. Good Group of Five team probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but year two of less miles i want to see progress and kansas losing to a group of a group of five school by two touchdowns doesn't speak progress to me it just tells me that kansas is right in the same spot that they were last year and kansas tried to compete in a couple of games last year against big 12 teams that clearly outmanned them but man and, and i know it's a weird year coronavirus and everything affecting how teams practice and whatnot but Losing by 15 to Coastal Carolina. That's that's disappointing for me. Year two Les Miles, because I want to see him succeed. I want to see Kansas at least be able to compete in some ball games. Other team, I'm not disappointed because they did clean it up. I was underwhelmed with the first three quarters of the North Carolina Syracuse game. Syracuse is bad. And UNC had seven points midway through that third quarter granted they did put it away 31 to 6 and maybe it just took them some time to get going lower your expectations for week one for your college football team i get it yeah that's what but, Mike brown
2: said too i think after the game it just took them a while no syracuse man you t- i told you last week it was sleepy syracuse and it's they're one of those
1: tough teams to beat in the morning i know i just think they're a really bad football team this year in the acc i think they're one of the worst teams. And the ACC, and I think it was more of a UNC issue. I was just underwhelmed. I don't know why. Just underwhelmed.
2: How can you say that they're one of the worst teams? They played one game.
1: I'm expecting them to be one of the worst teams in the ACC. after everything that they lost. I just I, I just don't buy it. They they were one of the teams that like weren't practicing a whole bunch over the in the offseason. I, I just I'm not expecting a whole lot from them. They they got a big game this week on the road at number twenty five Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that next. Here on the other side of this break. That does it for speed round. Brought to you by Lance Brown, Allstate. Only Allstate has claim service so good it's guaranteed. To learn more about the auto claim satisfaction guarantee, call three three four seven five eight zero zero eight eight today are you in good hands we got picks coming up noah and jeremy we got six games on the docket college football this saturday stay with us
0: you're listening to on the line with noah gardner and jeremy law we'll be right back this is on the line Wrapping up the show on On the Line. Noah
1: Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Kicks 96.3 and AU100. Or if you're listening on demand with our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Third and final segment of the day. It's time to go through it here. We got picks for you, and I told you we were going to keep up with the records of this all season long. And last week, bad week for me. Noah goes three and one. Jeremy goes not, four and zero. Oh. Not a bad week, but bad I mean, you like I got you all the gimmies. I got all the gimmies. The only one that we disagreed on, I missed. So, bad week for me. I, I'm like Texas, right? I, I beat the bad teams, lost to the good one. I told you, don't pick Florida State, man. They were up thirteen to zero. I was like, "Yeah, this looks good." GT's quarterback thrown a couple of interceptions. I was like, Ooh, "They're bad, we man." We look good. Nor-
2: Norvell. Both
1: was, teams are bad.
2: No, you're on a one year. I feel like Florida State should have started one year contracts with coaches until they can get this thing figured out.
1: And they've got players too. I just don't get it. They've got players. They recruit. Why are you? How are I you think, so bad? It's all the quarterback position. Taggart
2: tanked this program, man. He had, he is in. I think Jimbo did.
1: Yeah, they're they're I think Jimbo did they're
2: three years removed from Jimbo. You but they went
1: six and six in that last year and they really never well, recovered. They, they, I think he did. They,
2: they had about a million injuries that year though. They like when they lost with Jimbo, listen, there's no way that Jimbo Fisher was such a bad coach that he got seventy five million guaranteed dollars from yeah, AM. Yeah, but what's he done at AM? It's the same thing Gus has done.
1: I mean, at least Gus has beat him. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Gus has at least beaten Alabama. Let's go through these picks. Syracuse at number 25, Pittsburgh, 11 a.m. on ACC Network.
2: I will not be picking sleepy Syracuse. I will you take shouldn't. Pittsburgh. I do think Syracuse was a different version of its real self last week, amped up game one against a really good opponent. Still got blown out. Give me Pittsburgh.
1: Pittsburgh held Austin B. to one rush yard. One. How carry are you playing? That's hard to do. What did they do to Saquon last week? Didn't he have like six,
2: six rushing yards? different pittsburgh yeah i know but he that's kind of the same type of deal
1: i think this is one of the better defenses in the acc just looking at what they did statistically last season and then what they bring back and how they played in week one cues offense wasn't good only 202 yards against unc didn't do much on the ground either i think they run into an old school pittsburgh football team i'll take pittsburgh as well number two here boston college at duke 11 a.m on espn 3 Duke hung in there with
2: Notre Dame for a while, and Notre Dame is Impressive. a far superior football team. I like Duke in this one. I think Duke, it feels like that they had the, the magic run with Danny Dimes, but it feels like it's not over yet. Like, they can beat some teams this year that they probably shouldn't beat and definitely going to take them over to Boston College. But I feel like Duke can sneak in there in the ACC this year and just make noise. Not telling you how much more noise, but just make some
1: noise. I don't know if they're a 500 team this year. But Cutcliffe's a good coach. Chase Bryce, I really liked how he managed the game against Notre Dame. He kept a minute, fought hard. That says a lot. Notre Dame has a lot better players than Duke does on defense compared to what Duke's got on offense. It's not like Chase Bryce has his pick of the litter as far as skill position players around him. I think what you saw from Chase Bryce to at least have him in the ball game was a Chase Bryce thing. I like Duke in this one. The only reason is because Duke has played a football game and Boston College hasn't. And I go back to, I've said this time and time again, this year, lower your expectations when your team hits the field for the first time. I like Cutcliffe's experience, the fact that Duke has something to build on. Boston College is getting into football for the first time this year. I'll take Duke in this one as well. We agree so far. Houston at Baylor, 11 a.m. on Fox. Old Southwest Conference matchup. It's a good game. It's a good game.
2: So I'm not sure what to think of Houston because Dana Holgerson continues to underwhelm me You They were bad last year, year they too. They were bad. Four and eight, I but think. But they are rolling into – they're playing a good Baylor team. Now, their coach is at Carolina. They lost a lot. Dave Aranda feels like one of the assistant coaches that moved up to a head coach this year in big-time football. That could be a good program manager. Like, he feels like he could be that guy. Not too volatile, not too soft. Baylor's probably going to just be a little bit too much – for
1: Houston in this one,
2: give give me give me the Baylor Bears. It's an this is Big Noon, right? Big Noon on Fox at eleven. A.m. We may not kick. disagree
1: this week. I like Baylor in this one. Only difference here is Dave Aranda. I think it might end up being a better head coach than Dan or Holgerson. That doesn't matter in this game. It's who can get the most out of their defense in this one because I don't think either defense is going to be great. I don't think they're going to have a good performance. Both of these teams, I'm pretty sure, are playing their first games of the season. Houston and Baylor going to score points. We know that's true. They both had very good offenses last year. Despite Derrick King not playing, Houston had a good offense last year. The issue was the defense for Houston. Dana Holgerson is not a defensive-minded guy. And he looks like he doesn't pay anybody to be a defensive-minded guy either. (laughs) And Dave Aranda's an ex-DC at LSU, and we know what he can do as the defensive coordinators. I, I think schematically what Dave Aranda is just going to bring to defense is going to be the difference one, but I do think a lot of points are going to be scored. This is going to be possibly the most entertaining game of the day. Very good ball game. I will take Baylor as well. South Florida at number 7, Notre Dame, 130 on USA. How did this game get on USA? I know. Typically, this is on NBC. I don't know what's going on.
2: I just thought that was weird. I guess I won't go to Channel 13. Upset alert. Man, I want to call this one no dude. way. I wanna no I just wanna be like Notre no Dame.
1: Way. Stay away. They only beat the Citadel 27 to 6 last week. I know the but Citadel. I, the Citadel. I just, I just hate <laughs>
2: Notre Dame so much. I don't think South Florida is great. They're terrible. I don't think they're good, but I don't know. It feels sleepy. Notre Dame did not impress me last week, as I mentioned earlier, but you'll take Notre Dame, and I'm guessing I'll take Notre Dame as well. You'll take Notre Dame. Yeah.
1: I mean South Florida's worse than Duke. That doesn't always matter who's be- the bet. If the best team won, we wouldn't play any games. All right, let me throw another stat out there for you. USF quarterback Jordan McLeod had sixty-eight passing yards last week against the Citadel. USF's more of a run-first team. They had three hundred rushing yards, but they ain't gonna have three hundred rushing yards this week against Notre Dame. That's not gonna happen. No, it's not gonna happen. And you need your quarterback to be able to throw the ball to win this game, Notre Dame. We know they're better players. Let's don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> Next one. Number fourteen, UCF at Georgia Tech, two thirty on ABC. You've made me a fan of Georgia Tech. I, I was, I look internally last week. I was rooting for Georgia Tech to beat Florida State, despite the fact that I picked FSU. This one's a fun game, but only if Georgia Tech wins it. Right? If UCF wins, you're like, yeah, we expected that. But the, if Georgia Tech can make it close, this is a woo, statement win for GT in year two. Jeff Collins gets this win. No way. I'm glad we picked differently on this right. one. Finally. So the only Time reason for I'm going to pick to different some is
2: I know that I've won last week's, so and we're probably only going to pick different ones here. I like – I for some reason, I just get behind Jeff Collins. I like him. You want
1: to see Georgia Tech succeed because I think college football is better when Georgia Tech is is good. So I know that's an odd team they, for me to throw out there, but there are just some teams in college football. They're the most football.
2: recent team in Georgia to win a national title.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying there's there's some – Teams in college football, where you're like, yeah, college football's better when they're when they're doing good. At least their conference is better when Georgia Tech is doing good. They they used to be one of the teams that ruled the league, and now they're just bad this year. Look, I'm taking UCF in this one. They got a quarterback through for 3,600 yards last year as a freshman. Now year two, his completion percentage and his interceptions are going to go down. His completion percentage is going to go up. The guy's going to be well polished. I like UCF with all their skill, but they bring back a lot of guys. UCF's 14th for a reason. I'm serious. This UCF team, probably better than last year's. And last year's won 10 games. Okay. I'm going to take UCF in this one. You told me I was
2: crazy last week. I'm not saying you, you're crazy. Okay. You picked the next one first. I'm because let me see what we're really cooking with here. Pick the last one. Number 17, 17 Miami at number 18, Louisville.
1: 6.30 on... I think this is ABC. Yeah, it Yeah, is. this is on ABC. I'm going Miami. Neither team... Ran over their group of five opponent last week. Miami beat UAB 31-14, and Louisville beat Western Kentucky 35-21. I think Miami's win's a little bit more impressive than Louisville's. I love the quarterback battle here. Derek King for Miami, run-first guy going against Louisville's quarterback, Malik Cunningham, who had over 300 yards last week against Western Kentucky. This is going to be one of the low-key best quarterback battles in all of college football, but definitely one of the best QB battles in the ACC this season for the first time in years. Miami's offense actually looks like an offense. Rhett Lashley's done wonders with them, had over 300 rushing yards last week. And what I know is Miami's defense for sure with Manny Diaz and just period, the the tradition that they've established over the last couple of years, Miami's defense is, is better than Louisville's. I think Louisville's going to, Struggle a little bit here. Past first teams always struggle. The way to win football games is still rushing attack and defense. Miami's got it this year. Give me the Hurricanes. There's a hurricane right now. It just feels like that kind of week.
2: I would pick Louisville if they were playing in a full stadium. But I do think Miami is the better team and you can get 7 to 10 points as the home team. Not this year. But not this year. It's and they, they're level playing field. How many people, I mean, I don't know what their stadium max is for Louisville and Kentucky right now, but I'm going to guess it's at 20%. Maybe. Just like everybody else's. That's just not enough for me to to swing me to pick Louisville over Miami. You got King, you got Diaz, you got Rhett Lashley, who, you know, whatever it is. He's, obviously, He's done well. He looks better than Danny knows. So I, I really, and Miami's punter. Is the reason why Phil position? He's tatted from neck to toe. He <laughs> looks like he should be like in in Hollywood and some cool like Fast and Furious movies. But he's the punter for Miami. I like Miami. I hate Miami, but I like Miami in this game.
1: This was a strategic choice for you, because if you missed both this week, that we picked different. Then I would have taken the lead. Now no, all I can do is if tie this,
2: If this game was at Miami, I just would have been outright Miami. Dead serious. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have come to tie you up. But if it was at Miami, I would pick Miami. I would say Miami wins by ten
1: at home in this game. So the game this week that matters the most here on On the Line is number fourteen UCF. Add At Georgia Attack, the only one that we went different than for these standings purposes. I'm 3-1, Jeremy's 4-0. We had a much longer list of games this week, and it's going to keep growing as football's back. But that does it for On the Line, another edition of Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on Fox Sports Central, Alabama, AU100, and Kicks 96.3. Be back next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. SEC football is going to be back. We're ready for it. God bless everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to On the Line, the product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net.